0: I'm Will Rogers, and I'm the July artist in residence at Mount Kaz. Welcome to Dispatches from Mount Kaz Conversations from a Creative Community. In this episode, Albert, Christina, Aranea, and artist in residence Will Rogers discuss poetry and the value of paying attention and finding pleasure in the quotidian.
1: How's your first day at Mount Kaz?
0: First day has been good, yeah. I'm like rounding the 24-hour mark Mm -hmm. now. It's been very good. Like a good mix of actually getting started, getting writing done and getting work done and also like getting oriented and Mm -hmm. just sort of figuring out what's what.
1: How's it been different from your regular vibe so far? Mm. Your regular pace?
0: I usually live in a house with five other people and I walk around the house and like constantly see little things that need to be done Mm -hmm. um and so I I, like end up getting swept up into a lot of different little things but at Mount Kaz I'm like chores or yeah chores chores totally um at Mount Kaz I'm a guest and so I feel like I'm still just sort of observing and and it's like maybe better in some cases like not to jump in and try Mm -hmm. to do anything so I get to like focus on other stuff which is nice Mm -hmm.
2: I have this like idea that I'd like to do sometime where it's like a it would be like a resident or it would be a um a tiny silent retreat mm. like in the house where it's like everyone's just silent and there's and you can't do anything you know that <laughs> so nice. you just have to wander around and like like have the meals at a certain time and just like sit around all day and you like can't read anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it would be a Why silent. it be not? a silent retreat, like the oh, idea. What is what does reading
1: to, something have to do
2: with? It's. I mean, I silence in a in a broader sense, oh. also of like you know letting the things in your mind happen and then and then leave, rather than like concentrating on anything particular. Wow. All right. I mean, I like guess it's, it's like the um, meditation style silent retreat, not just like gotcha. sit around and silence. Yeah. Yeah. Some of
3: the like eight day silent retreats so are yeah. like no writing, no reading. No top <laughs> yeah it's like a prison
2: mm.
0: sounds, sounds like a prison an, but like it a doesn't 100%. feel good
1: it, it doesn't sound like prison. it would feel good it, <laughs> it sounds like right. i would have a panic attack maybe yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. but i mean that's yeah. totally a thing panic Does attacks on eight at at retreats attacks? yeah oh, absolutely yeah. <laughs> have you been on any
0: uh i have done short ones but i've never done like an extended one yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but i do like there's something nice about that moment where words are no longer, like, the primary way of interpreting, and you're just, like, just, like, being with actual reality.
2: Yeah.
1: So what's uh, some kind of interaction that you had with somebody on a silent retreat where you communicated fully, where in uh, maybe the average day-to-day, you would assume that you would need words to do it?
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) That's a very Uh... specific question. I'm sorry. Uh... Like, I, I ran into somebody who I hadn't seen in years. At the retreat? And we were just able to hug. Oh. And it was like, you know, and then we both on our ways. <laughs> oh! Yeah. And, like, so we were sweet. able to talk later. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was a really delightful moment. So you
1: had that moment of, like, seeing somebody you hadn't seen, where normally you feel like you need to say the words of, like, haven't
0: seen you in so, so long. It's been so long. Like, yeah. how are,
1: what's going on? How are you? That's really cool. I like
2: that. So, Will, you had a, you were gonna read a poem, yeah, uh, and share something from your work. Yeah.
0: So, we were just talking about birthdays, and it got me thinking about how this little book of poems that is my first little collection it's twelve poems. I decided to write it on my twenty-ninth birthday, thinking that I would finish it by my thirtieth birthday. Mm-hmm. It ended up I was like. 30 and a half when I came out with the first draft and in this draft I was like well into 31 but I don't think I would have made it at all if it wasn't for turning 39 and being like oh wow like my 20s are almost over like I've got a what do I really want to do like this is one of the things Mm -hmm. Uh, the first poem in the book is called eggs often slide eggs often slide to one side of the pan after they've been plopped in One morning I noticed this image, looking at me. Put me in a poem, it said. Surely someone else has, I replied. Some real poet. The next day I saw it again. Plopped one in and it slid to the side. Each following egg gathered with it. Put me in a poem. Surely someone. I started searching. When a territory is mapped, you find and use the map. Here's what I found. Poems are plums. Some sweet and delicious some surprisingly bitter. It's hard to tell which ones to bite. I did not find a poem where eggs slide to the side of a pan. I'll keep looking. I'll also watch these eggs turn from clear to white together, from closer to liquid to closer to solid, reminding me how sometimes things take shape when they're cooked. Should I have let the pan get hotter before I plopped in the eggs? Either way, they're getting cooked, and I'll write about it. In a poem, ready to be read. I'm still not sure what that word means, poem, and I'm not sure that I ever will be. Here's what I mean for now when I use it. Read this aloud if you can. Notice the rhythms. It may not look like much, but some chicken worked to lay that egg, and it hurt coming out. Plopped in the pan, slid to one side, cooked. It's the kind of meal any of us could have made, given materials. Simple, filling, eat. Eat thanks for listening
2: yeah do you have a different sense of what uh poem is now um or have you figured it out i mean like yeah good question (laughs) yeah
0: like i was just thinking today organizing like i was trying to get my files organized for this residency and it's all in a folder called poetry with a question mark (laughs) (laughs) and um i feel like i very much used to believe that uh that this question of, like, is this a poem or not was, like, kind of central to Mm -hmm. poetry for me. Um, And now I don't, like, worry about it that much. Like, I guess I don't care as much what a poem is. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
1: I feel like I had that with what is art. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, a really riveting question yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm. And, it's, uh... and I, like, it was around, like, the time I graduated from school. Yeah. Where I was, like, this is the question. Yeah. Like, there has to be, like, the <laughs> an answer. I'm so interested. And now I, like, don't yeah. give any fucks yeah. about it. And, like, there are things that I could say. If, you know, I've thought a lot about it. Mm-hmm. But I've found that, like, yeah, for whatever reason, it feels like a... Like a personal journey,
2: (laughs) I still I still care about what is art, Mm, but like not in a not in like I need to figure out like what it is so I can tell anyone else what it is. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Although I I guess I still kind of like telling people what I think it is, but it's not about like it's it's all about like kind of taking away distinctions, right? And like finding, Mm. I think for me it's about it's been about finding that there is art in everything Mm. and that there's poetry in everything. Rather than like finding where the edges of it are and where it doesn't count, rather looking for where uh, where the lines are blurred and where everything counts. Mm-hmm. Like that—that's been a—that's been a more beautiful experience for me than like figuring out you know which boxes to put stuff in.
0: Mm. I believe in that.
1: Okay, maybe I do care about the question. <laughs> yeah, so he's like listening I mean, to like, you talking. I'm like, I have opinions. Yeah, about yeah. This. <laughs> it's like I, when
0: Albert was like, yeah, I I do like to tell people what it is, I was like, actually, I like to tell people (laughs) (laughs) what it is too. So never mind, we do care. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's important. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that at least when I was writing this, it had a lot to do with context for me. And like, just like really, really letting myself be in context and like, just like acknowledging the contexts that exist and like working within that. um, Rather than trying to like, you know, make up something that was fitting some other context mm-hmm. that I used to think was art. You know, maybe it's in a frame that goes on a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, same with poetry. It's like, does it really need to be words on a page? Like, that's part of it, certainly. But, like, it's not necessarily even the central part of it. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Arne? Uh,
1: I don't know. I still have the, uh, the very firm idea that everything is an art mm-hmm. isn't isn't yeah because if everything's art then nothing's art Got like it. there's definitely some things that aren't art and some things that are because otherwise we don't have a need for the word to exist okay okay but i no longer have any idea where that line is mm-hmm. and i do believe that art can come from anywhere mm-hmm. but i don't think that art like is in everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like ratatouille what is it's ratatouille is like at first the idea is that anyone can cook mm-hmm. and everyone's like no that's dumb and it's like that's not what they mean it means a good cook a cook can come from anywhere mm-hmm. ah. be open to seeing it anywhere don't just like be like well that's a chair a chair can't yeah. be art and i will no longer even accept that but not every chair is art
2: i think something beautiful that i find in poetry sometimes is the way that like the poet through you know uh, their words or whatever medium they're using is able to kind of shine a light on like what could be Mm -hmm. you know beautiful Mm. um you know whatever art means but let's let's say beauty right as like as a as a concept instead Mm. uh something a little more neutral like they're able to shine uh uh, a light on what is beautiful in anything Mm. right and so like for for so it might be about a perspective it might be about a kind of gaze it might be an attitude and um, and then there is an aspect of poetry that is about illuminating that, uh, depicting that or sharing that in some way. Mm-hmm. And I think that like it allows the idea that art could be in anything, mm-hmm. right. Um, and it, it's not always in there, but it might just be because we're not looking at looking for it. And that might be mm-hmm. that might be where the line moves, right? Mm-hmm. Not whether or not it is intended or if it is legitimate, but rather what we're paying attention to. It might be an attitude thing, and uh, that seems nice to me.
1: <laughs> I want to
2: remove beauty from art, though. Because mm. I think there's plenty of art that isn't pretty. I certainly sense. don't mean beauty, or I don't mean pretty when I say that, and right. I think you get that, right? Yeah. yeah. sure okay i don't maybe i I, I don't mean i don't mean like conventional beauty Uh in any sense i don't mean like socially accepted Mm -hmm. um prettiness i just mean like something that uh is you know worth spending time on when there's so many things around us in our lives that beckon us to be distracted Mm. well
0: i just go back to that one line or that one little piece poems are plums some sweet and delicious some surprisingly bitter it's hard to tell which ones to bite. So the sweet and delicious yeah. plum would be the beautiful plum. Mm-hmm. And then the bitter plum would be the, the ugly one. But it's yeah. still a plum. You yeah. know, it's like, uh, it's not that it's like less valuable. It's mm-hmm. just a different, different one.
3: How did you come to poetry?
0: Um, I think that for, especially for that poem, uh, I think of Naomi Shihabnai. Mm-hmm. Um, she came to Stanford when I was working there uh in 2013 and she read some poems uh one of which was um i think it's called gate a10 mm-hmm. and it's a story yeah. and uh, it's beautiful and it takes these turns that are just so surprising and so delightful um and somebody asked her a question at the end like oh gosh i can't remember what the question was but her answer was this like really really smiling thing of just like yeah writing a poem is easy you just write a story and then you put it in lines Mm. (laughs) and I remember like it was a joke but it was also like quite enlivening it was like very um very like I felt this level of permission and just like yeah you know this this egg thing is like worth writing down Mm. like Mm -hmm. it seemed like you know it feels worth writing down I don't know why it feels writing worth writing down but I'm just gonna go with that feeling because like I now have permission Mm -hmm. um and reading other people's too where like Mary Oliver uh, as well is just like super accessible and so digestible and I really aspired to to do something like that where it's just simple and like it's giving you what it says it's giving you Mm -hmm. and those kinds of poems can be really refreshing and Enlivening for me, and it's sort of what I aspire to do.
1: Nice.
3: I think I'm always chased like always looking for that permission. Like when I'm reading or looking at like zines or types of poetry or types of comics, it's like always a it's like looking for that permission of like oh they did this I can mm. do that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they did it this way, that means oh this is like a book isn't this way. It can be any which way. When you like once you like. One possibility, it opens mm. all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't right. follow that one, as
2: long as there is an alternative, right. there could be more alternatives. Yeah. I think is the feeling that I have with that. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think we put a lot of gatekeepers on ourselves, even ones that maybe are only subconsciously provided by society. Mm. Where you're like, well, I really want to be a comic mm-hmm. artist, but I don't do this thing, mm-hmm. and so I must not be. And then you see one person doing something randomly different, you're like, oh okay mm. maybe i'm imposing this on myself
2: yeah mm. i mean in that sense like when someone says of a of a uh illustration or something my kid could do this like that should be encouraging not yeah mm, not dismissive be like right? i can't <laughs> wait to see it <laughs> yeah <laughs> right
1: can't wait to see your kid do uh. this <laughs> mm. yeah
2: it's the weirdest insult I mean I think it I don't I don't know if it's exactly they're trying to be an in, it's not just an insult right I think the idea is that like oh it really seems like a childish thing and therefore like the, the problem is that what follows is like therefore it's not worthy mm. right but I think what kids do is totally worthy like Weird. it's great it's beautiful like we yeah. should put that on fridges <laughs> in fact yeah, we should put exactly. it on in galleries and we should put it in uh, on the streets and on billboards and murals yeah.
1: Sometimes it doesn't feel childish though mm-hmm. sometimes it just feels simple yeah like some modern art you know there's like one third black and one two-thirds white and yeah we like my kid yeah. can do this meaning i could do this meaning why am i why did i pay to see this it doesn't feel like a childish piece of art mm-hmm. but it, there's definitely an insult and
2: mm-hmm. in there's somewhere yeah i mean it's dismissiveness for sure mm-hmm. i think like I, I think it's just for me when i see that when i see stuff like that it's more like uh wow someone spent time Doing this. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we don't spend time doing shit like that. Even if we could, you know, there's so many things we could do. Mm-hmm. Right. There's so many like bullshit things that are completely useless and practical that we could be doing all the time. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, uh scribbling things everywhere and uh and making big flat colors. Like mm-hmm. I, I believe that there's a lot more behind it a lot of times in those pieces. Just the the awe that like someone would spend time to do that, I mm-hmm. feel like is inspiring because it suggests to me like, okay, well, every time I think that I can't stop and look at this egg (laughs) and think about what it means when like, you know, when it moves to one side of the, of the pan, Mm -hmm. like it's, it it reminds me that it's worth taking that moment Mm. Um, and that every moment is worthwhile and every moment is, uh, is worth living, right? Like and paying attention to instead of getting distracted and, uh, and, and feeling inadequate or feeling like you're not productive enough. That's what it's for to me.
1: Nice, I like that.
0: With poetry, I think a lot about the MFA as like mm-hmm. this seal of like, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. you're in now, you now have permission, mm-hmm. but like, it, like it's getting a, an
1: MFA in poetry. Yeah,
0: and and it's like, it was a big aha uh-huh for me to be like, oh wait a second, like mm-hmm. actually the kind of poetry that I can write without an MFA is yeah. has its own kind of value, mm-hmm. you know. Um You were
3: mentioning themes in your book that you want to talk about.
0: In the first book? Mm-hmm.
1: What's this book called?
0: This book is called Seeking and Finding, Holding On, Letting Go. By Will Rogers. By Will Rogers. Um Your name's not no on the cover. I know. No I wanted, no, sorry, not by Will Rogers. Yeah, it's just yeah. There's a four-leaf clover that you have to find on the on the cover. Um and uh the unofficial title is 12 One Dollar Poems," and usually when I tell people that, they're like, "Oh, that should be the title of your book because it's a much better title." <laughs> um, and like I've I've like resisted, so it's on the back of the book with my name. <laughs> One of the things that that uh, brought me to poetry, which is a joke, uh, is is money. Uh, but it's like I was doing podcasts beforehand and creating these things that you couldn't hold there was no physical uh artifact of what i was making Mm -hmm. and i really wanted to do something that had a tangible artifact as a piece of it yeah um and for some reason that felt like a different kind of value uh and so 12 one dollar poems was like okay each of these is worth a dollar and what that really means is, like, we can have a conversation about what is a dollar worth and what is a poem worth. And I like that conversation.
1: Were there other themes in it, or are they all just,
0: mm-hmm. like... So, most of these are in first person. Oftentimes, like, some simple little thing that I tried to make interesting by, like, digging deep into it. I think that there, you know, it it's certainly something about ordinary life. So-called ordinary life. That, like, there is quite a bit of rich meaning in the quotidian. I could read another one from this collection or we could- Yeah, do it. Talk another one of these? Okay. <laughs> yeah, go Great. It. It sounded another.
1: like a like a peer pressure kit. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Come on. Read it. I dare um, you. Read right. another one. <laughs> uh,
0: this one is called Four Leaf Clovers Rarely Hide. I was 23 the first time I saw someone find a four leaf clover. She got on her hands and knees, looked in a clover patch, and there it was, simple. It looked like a three-leaf clover but with four leaves. That moment sparked my practice of seeking four-leaf clovers and for years not finding them. I checked and double-checked what looked like six-leaf clovers, two ordinary clovers entwined. I wanted so badly to see what I thought I had seen, and when I And when I learned to see them as two clovers, I learned to let go and keep seeking. One thing sets the four leafers apart, the number of leaves. I learned to notice the clovers with one leaf torn down the middle. They also looked like what I was looking for and weren't. I kept seeking. I learned to love to move my eyes from clover to clover to clover, flooding my field of vision with the color green. It's a gift to the soul, the seeking itself. And then there it was. Hey, I was 26 when I found my first, and I have found dozens since then. Some clover patches hold many four-leafers. Others hold none or few. One in 10,000 clovers has four leaves, and each one in 10,000 is standing, ready, right there. If I find it, good. I press it to save it or give it away. I find some way to cherish it, my way. Sometimes I eat it, inviting its luck into me. For each four-leafer I do not find, I hope that someone else will. Good for them, and good for the four-leaf clover, too. It's a wonderful thing to be found.
1: That's great. I like that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And can I just say that clover tastes amazing? Mm -hmm. I don't think I've eaten a four-leaf clover. It's, like, really tart. Yeah.
3: (laughs) That's related to our earlier conversation about, like, what is art and what is poetry. Mm. And it's, like the searching and the journey yeah. is, is what it is <laughs> mm. yeah like whether you find it or not <laughs> is beside the point what conversations yeah. have you had with people about Wharf and poetry
0: well one of my favorite ones is uh, sort of like what albert was saying earlier where like anyone can paint or do, do certain kinds of art like uh with that first poem especially i've i've encountered people who have told me that uh reading it let them start to write made them want to start writing poetry and like that is like the biggest gift to me uh in terms of value at least worth a dollar yeah like that's that's a dollar right there one person who's really sweet i i gave her a copy of the book uh because she's a person who has like given a lot to me in my life and she mailed me a check for $24 and said that these poems are worth at least $2 each. That's nice. That, was, that made me really happy. Um, yeah, there was one time that um, somebody was like, I'll buy your book. And I was like, okay, it's $12. And they were like, oh. And I could tell that like, <laughs> based on like how big the book was, she was not expecting it. Because to, to, it's not very big at all. Uh, she was not expecting it to be that expensive. And um, I told her that she could pay six dollars for it, and that the other half of the book I would give as a donation to the place where she worked, because she worked for a nonprofit. <laughs> and um, <laughs> like, I hope that she could feel like have fun with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, whatever, it doesn't really matter that much to me. It's just a fun.
2: It's weird you know. because like I mean, looking at the book, right? It's like, oh, that is I, I can feel that what that person felt. right? Yeah. I mean, twelve dollars, it's like a slim volume. Right. But when you talk about it uh, as uh, twelve one dollar poems, like, oh, that seems oh, that's like totally, totally reasonable. It. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like you're shortchanging yeah. it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but maybe it's so, uh, anything is worth a dollar, <laughs> perhaps. Mm or just like the absurdity of the quantification of anything. Yeah. I feel like that one. Yeah. I wonder like when you talk about having made something tangible as being, you know, more valuable, I I wonder if part of what makes it feel more um more valuable is just like the fact that you can like spend time with your body with Mm. it whereas something like a podcast like you were producing before there is something so ethereal about something that you download you don't even know how these bits work and like there is no way to spend there's no way to like have body time with it but like you know on contrast like you go to like a live podcast taping or whatever right and that feels totally like a like a thing that that you get to enter into Um, And so, you know, the 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 tangibility of it isn't just in, you know, the the um, solid material, but rather about like the sharing of air Mm. and uh, that and and just like sharing space with people being um, being uh, somehow more valuable than not doing so, you know, passing an object between people like having touched something that you have touched yeah that other people have touched like makes it meaningful
0: yeah i really appreciated the feeling of of matching places to poems so Mm. um i found that that when i listened to a particular story on a podcast for example and i was in a particular place uh the next time i go back to that place Mm. i remember that story it just like comes right back in and um and it was fun for me to do a similar thing with this but but to pay attention to when I would read a poem in a place and like mm-hmm. try to uh, try to craft an appropriate context for um for a particular poem to be read there so that so that people could have that sort of like I was there when like that was yeah. a thing that was a moment This is
2: when you were doing the walk like going to places and doing readings right can you talk about yeah. that I remember you invited me to those but I had like just left the bay area right?
0: Yeah um I so i like whatever what do you call it i like released this book of poems uh at these events where they would be um like 12 hours long and uh, i would only read like one poem every hour maybe and the whole group would be moving from place to place together making decisions together about where to go and uh Taking a lot of time just to move slowly and uh make sure everybody was well fed, everybody was going to the bathroom who needed to go to the bathroom um, and then just trying to craft just the right moments for uh for when it was time for a poem and uh, and then I would read one poem per place you know if mm. like like that was that poem for that place, and then eventually people moved to somewhere else and um I've had people since then talk about how, you know, if that place was on their daily commute or whatever, they would still Mm. remember that that moment that we created.
2: This is in 2015.
0: Uh, Yes. Two years ago.
2: Yeah. Mm, What? (laughs) Three, four years ago.
0: No, this was not in 2015. This was in 20. Gosh, yeah. Four years ago. No, I was 29 four years ago. I turned, I turned, wow, yeah, I turned 34 years ago. It was three years ago, though, so it would have been $21 years. It was, it was 2016. No, it was totally 2016. It feels weird to say it was 2016, because when I say 2016, I think of Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, Trump wasn't actually elected until the end of that year. And so it was during the time, yeah.
1: It was before everyone got sad.
0: The glory days of 2016. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
3: I have a question as artists. um, How does it feel to revisit art you've made in the past? Because like, a lot of times there's a lag between when you, when you had the idea, when you made it, and when you like, sort of release it. And then it's out in the world and you're still like, you're still reading poems from, you're going to keep reading poems from this book that you released like, pre Donald Trump, (laughs) Right? Like, how does it feel to, to revisit this? Or how does it, Like tying back to that idea of like when you revisit books or music, it reminds you of who you were then.
0: I certainly felt like this was the best thing I had ever made Mm -hmm. when I made it. And um, I don't know for sure. I mean, it might still be true, but it no longer impresses me. You know, Mm -hmm. I was really impressed with myself (laughs) for a while with this thing. And that was a great feeling. and I think someday I might be totally sick of it, but I'm like right now somewhere in the mm-hmm. crest of the <laughs> the curve. And yeah, after Donald Trump was elected, a lot of these poems felt really um, mm-hmm. uh, tone deaf or just like mm-hmm. just like n- like it felt like if if I wasn't actively saying something about mm-hmm. injustice, then uh, then I needed to shut up and i still feel that way a little bit um like i'm i'm constantly just like trying to f- like cuz what what i love about poems or what like a lot of what got me into it was this state of wonder mm-hmm. and this just like way of of looking at the world with these um with these eyes of just like pleasure and enjoyment and being um mm. and that's become a lot harder to uh advocate for me uh in this time
1: i feel like for me i feel the same way Mm. but i feel it's important to advocate for it
0: Mm.
1: now even more so like it's important to i don't know like maybe it's helpful for some people to keep in mind that this terrible time is a time Mm. not a, a permanence yeah and that everything changes and I don't know like i i totally feel the same thing you feel where it sounds tone deaf Mm. it's like well if you just like just chill like i know stuff sucks right now but just like hold on it'll get better it feels tone deaf because in some ways it is but i also think it's important to to try to hold on to as much joy as we can yeah because otherwise i don't know if i'll make it
0: (laughs) yeah you know on election day or like, I guess the day after election day, I don't know which day is officially election day. Cause it was like after midnight, I think on the day that I found out uh, about it, I was having dinner with a friend who talked about concentration camps and how the people that tended to do the best psychologically after being in a concentration camp were people who really kept their minds busy with random little things, mm-hmm. uh, like filling up, a book with with everybody's best pie recipe and the other people in the concentration camp would be like are you freaking serious like why yeah but like those kinds of coping mechanisms and i think that looking for four leaf clovers can count as that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um that's just like it's there's something inherently gratifying about it you can wrap your mind around it for a little while and like time will continue passing by um Mm -hmm.
1: No. Yeah, I think in some ways it is a coping it is a survival tactic.
0: Mm.
2: I, I I would hope that the things that are important to us are important to us even when things are terrible. And if it's important to find wonder in the world, it's still important even mm-hmm. when things are bad. Mm. I don't think we should stop writing poetry that is, you know, that isn't addressing injustice necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think we should stop working. I think we should stop doing jobs that are, you know, <laughs> yeah. like uh, attacking injustice. Yeah. Like we should totally continue having dinner parties and like hanging out and making mm-hmm. art. We should just stop working and <laughs> we should stop feeding. Yeah. Eating, you know, there's like so there's like this other place which we never su- we never suggest mm-hmm. that we should where that we should address our uh, address yeah. like injustices in. Yeah. Because it's know?
1: like everything's terrible, so therefore I do not have the right to be happy. Yeah. So unless I'm like just spending all of my time feeling the injustice and doing things to like actively combat them i'm wasting my time yeah
2: i think about how um we talk like there's a there's a mm, discourse about you know like if we want to fix uh something in society like where's that money going to come from but like there's these spaces where we're pouring money into that we never we don't we don't address as much right Mm -hmm. like we could fix so much if we like d uh like take money out of the military budget yeah i think we could do like i don't think we need to stop making art that's enjoyable we need to stop like the rest of the parts of our lives that are that are actively a part of the the problem too yeah um so quit your job i kind
0: of I, i kind of want to like go through office buildings and like find the people who are clearly like totally depressed and be like have you ever found a four-leaf clover come with me <laughs> like, <laughs> like you don't have to be in this job yeah, like yeah. i've got another job for you <laughs> yeah
3: well because it's i think art and wonder and all those things are what make and joy are what make us human
1: mm-hmm.
3: and i think part of the the myth of when things are terrible, you can't have that, is purposeful, because it, it dehumanizes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier to sink into despair if you don't have those other things, and to, ref- and to forget your power when you don't have those things. I want to link to Adrienne Marie Brown's um, book, Pleasure Activism, and her keynote that she gave at Radical Imagination about it, because mm-hmm. I think it's it's also it's a tactic of, of oppression, too. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people... We think a lot of people without privilege as... We think of their difficulties and their struggles. And her provocation is that what, like, can you think of those people, everyone, as like whole human beings Mm -hmm. who also have pleasure and who deserve pleasure, and we all do, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the heart of what this conversation is about, right? Like when we say don't, like what's worth it? What's worth our time? It's like, it's worth being human. (laughs) It's like always always worth being human. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel like this I mean you say like it's a, a tactic of oppression mm-hmm. I feel like it's a tactic of, of oppression that's being pushed on us not by the people who are oppressing mm. but the, by people who are feeling oppressed and feeling like yeah, you're not doing anything. Hmm. By being happy, right? You're not doing anything by filling your your day. You're not doing anything to fix the problem Yeah,
2: you're just writing down pie recipes. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, it's like,
1: (laughs) you know, the other people in the in the concentration camp Like what is this actually helping us? You Mm -hmm. know, I feel like it's it's being uh, Pushed by those people Mm -hmm. Which is hard to deal with Mm -hmm. because you also don't agree with the oppression Mm -hmm. But you don't agree with this way of going about it. So sometimes it feels like the yeah. if you're not helping you're hurting and stuff right like
3: that. I mean I think there's a lot conflated there too mm-hmm. um, there's also this quote that I will not remember right now if I think about it a lot in the last two elections of um, escaping into leisure and being mm-hmm. really careful also not to do that hmm it's a fine line I don't know. I don't want. I don't like that saying. <laughs> what,
2: what's the gist of the 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 quote? Or, the, or I the think idea? there's
3: a lot, a lot that I struggle with, where it's like I totally believe that we need to keep our humanity and our joy and our art, right? And mm-hmm. then at the same time, when when am I doing that in a way that serves us and serves my communities and mm-hmm. serves me as a person, mm-hmm. and when am I doing it as a way to escape the, you know, like what more I could be doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just something I struggle with. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really hard when I've centered my life around art and then to be having doubts about art mm. at the same time as you're trying to make the art, mm-hmm. to be the art, and then it's just sort of like, I, I want a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Like, I think it's easier.
0: Easier to keep, keep busy, certainly.
3: Yeah, or to feel like you have a purpose. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. part, like, the side effect of all of this is that the role
1: of art gets questioned yeah.
3: in our culture a lot. You yeah. have to constantly be defending. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: You didn't suggest this, but I don't agree that the um that the purpose of art is always social justice. Mm. Which I think some people some people do. Yeah. Some people do. And so they're like if you're an artist, that means that you are always making a statement mm-hmm. about society. And sometimes I don't think that's true. Mm. Sometimes yeah. you're making yeah. a statement that's one hundred percent about your brain your mm-hmm. personal self and
2: <laughs> i mean i think the thing is that the value that art offers is often indirect mm-hmm. like a lot of you know mm-hmm. i mean there are certainly things that are like directly political but a lot of times it's indirect but i think that the uh, that the the social value of art is certainly beyond you know uh the even even the direct pleasure that it can bring Mm. it is about surrounding ourselves you know surrounding our society with images that can inspire people or that that challenge people or provide alternatives Mm -hmm. um or suggest that like uh that people are worth paying attention to Mm. and those are all like little things and also probably like very few um things can be directly effective as like one object right like um we're not i, I don't know I, i'm not interested in making giant sculptures that mm. uh that signal something like really easily i'm interested in everyone making like one poem that like when you show it to your like your neighbor or your parents or something that's like oh and maybe if like we all said oh yeah at the same time <laughs> you know like we'd be like oh why are we fighting this war now <laughs> yeah, dude. like it's just yeah. like you know it's like that moment of uh, you know that image of like when uh when uh, the soldiers took a break uh, on mm-hmm. Christmas to like mm-hmm. sing together or mm-hmm. whatever in World War two like those moments that can make us question like why are we doing this mm-hmm. like aren't we aren't, don't we all have similar needs don't we all you know have have friends on the other side of the border mm-hmm. yeah
0: that really elevates the stakes of what we're doing like to think that we might potentially be in a position to stop a war from happening sure but no
2: one no one can do it themselves exactly right? like you can right the stakes are they could be high but it's not right. because anyone it, it, because any of us are making the thing it's mm. because all of us could be making the thing
0: yeah and if we
2: all do it then maybe we can make we can just you know not we can't even control it right like it's not like there can be a plan for this mm, yeah. it's just we have to keep. Working on building things that we can share to each other, mm-hmm. and and showing that it's that we care about mm-hmm. about doing things that like are self-determined, that because we want to do them, yeah, and that the people around us will look at them and be like, yeah, good job, you like you did a thing that you liked, like yeah. cool, you know. And if we, can we encourage us all to just do things for each other and from our own will? Yeah, like, isn't that enough? An in
0: independent value system. Separate from like, yeah, the money economy, for mm-hmm. example.
2: I like that kind of activism. But it doesn't have to be a zero sum game. I guess is what i is what I meant by no. that, right? Like, it, like just because you're doing art that doesn't like like solve something, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you can't spend your time like some of your time doing something else. Mm. Like, and I and maybe it's just more insidious that like we're in a world where we feel like, uh, oh, I can either do art mm-hmm. or I can like you know, um, uh, you know be an activist like yeah that's, that, like, and if i'm doing movies. art yeah. it has
1: to do this big job right
2: like
3: Ooh, i don't yeah i don't even want to talk mm-hmm. about this or go down this hole but like i think that's because of branding right like we're, we're supposed yeah. to be a person that it makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like all the same mm-hmm. so like your work should be towards your goals that should be so if you're art activism like it should all be one thing mm-hmm. <laughs> versus we are multi-faceted
1: i think that uh One of the insidious secrets of our society is that we feel like everything is a zero-sum game Mm -hmm. and almost always it's not. Yeah. We were like waiting in line to check in for our flight to go to Minneapolis and uh, it was Sun Country Airlines so they only have like one flight going out at a time. And so uh, we're all standing in line and the line is really long and they're calling for people who are going to Austin which is the flight that's, like, about to leave. And they're like, is anybody in this line going to Austin? We'll check you in right now. So people who had just showed up, who had just walked in, they're like, oh, me. And they get to, like, go to the front of the line. And there were a lot of people pissed off about that. They're like, I can't believe it. Like, we showed up two hours before our flight the way we're supposed to. And these people who just show up, like, right before their flight just get to cut in front of the line. And, like, they were just so upset. And all I could think was... This shows that this airline will make sure that you don't miss your flight. And what is the fault in that? Like they're making sure that these people who are going to Texas aren't missing their flight, mm. which means that they're gonna make sure that you don't miss your flight. Mm. You're already here, so what does it matter? If yeah. you know you're gonna make your flight, then maybe everything is fine. Maybe <laughs> it's okay that these people who just showed up can check mm. in right now and we can wait two more minutes. Yeah. But the idea is that if somebody's getting something, then I'm not getting that something. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's unfortunate that, like, when we are anxious and stressed out about so many things in our in in you know our social world right now, mm-hmm. it makes the whole world feel like an airport. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like that you're that you're gonna be late. That you that you need yeah. to get there. That you're tired and like upset and cranky mm-hmm. all the time. And like, you know, maybe I mean I, I guess we we can't be we can't be the uh, the carrying airline but like maybe we can like be the people who walk around like hand out tea or something and make oh, it yeah. look like, nicer. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And, and, if, and, and I guess if we can, if like everyone, if like the airport feels like a safer place, mm. a more comfortable place that uh, that reveals that it's not necessarily like if that person gets ahead, then I'm not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Then like maybe we'll have some room that we can breathe and like mm-hmm. work together to like make something better. Right? Mm-hmm. I think it takes um, it takes all of this work, um, that you know, even even of of uh, the most frivolous, like joyful um, uh, work, to create the environment that we can make change in.
3: I really love like little things that help us question that zero mm-hmm. yeah. open game and what's something worth, like even yeah. like saying like twelve hundred one dollar poems. or like. You can yeah. have this half off, and we'll donate to your yep. office or like doing free stuff when we're tabling at zine fest so mm-hmm. it's not about um like the only the usually when you're at tabling somewhere and you're selling something the only exchange you can have with the person is they give you money for your stuff mm-hmm. or they go away and don't give you money for your stuff mm-hmm. and that like i was always like that feels like it's setting me up to feel bad yeah, <laughs> so yeah. let me
1: like Let me change that. Let
3: me change that. Let me like have some other activity where there can be an exchange and Mm -hmm. a connection that has nothing to do with money if the person doesn't want to give me money for my stuff. Yeah. Mm. Um, And it's been really helpful. Mm.
1: I leave quarters on parking meters. Nice.
0: (laughs) Oh, sweet. (laughs) Nice.
1: Let's all do stuff that keeps the world from being a zero-sum game.
0: Mm. Yeah. I just think of like the the level of perspective that we can offer, for example, to these people who are so upset to be like, okay, Mm -hmm. listen, like you are not going to be able to sit down for like two extra minutes. You're Mm -hmm. gonna have to stand here with me for those two minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This person is going to get to go to Austin, Texas. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's not... a bigger deal for them than it is for us. Yeah. But we can have a good time here. Yeah. Like yeah, that, yeah. that, I think, is a big, like, a big gift that we can offer to the people that mm-hmm. we're with. Mm-hmm. Oh. So this one's called Meditation DMV. <laughs> when I approach, I see a long line of people outside the building. Excuse me, I ask a woman five feet tall. She has a deep tan and long black hair. I ask her, is this the line for the advanced meditation session? She gives a confused look. I start again in Spanish. Es la linea? A middle-aged Caucasian man in a camouflage cap laughs at me, a jolly belly laugh. Of course, I knew right then that the session had already started a long time ago. It starts for you when you know it has started. A long time ago. I look at the other meditators in line, all kinds of people, the most mixed up group with which I've ever been able to sit. A woman with, with large nostrils and a cane walks out of the building. God is so good, she proclaims. Our God is an awesome God. I look forward to this kind of joy after my session. For now, I seek peace in the waiting. Now serving four, Now serving F406 at window number two. I'm inside the building, still in line, more distractions here. Most meditations include silence and or a teacher who guides your focus toward the breath. This session is filled with challenges while you wait for your number to come. There's a complicated system in which number comes at which time. Desks sit empty where people could work to move things faster. There are so many forms to fill. Each challenge is a new opportunity. Focus on the breath. I get to the window where I'll get my number. My forms are not yet complete. Ah, a new challenge. A reason to move more slowly. Breathing. Conscious. I fill out the forms, return to the window, where I find yet another surprise. I'd somehow tricked myself into thinking that I had an appointment today. It's in my calendar. I went online weeks ago and chose this very day. There is no record of it here. And I still don't have an email confirming it. Maybe I clicked, maybe I failed to click confirm, or maybe I booked an appointment for a different day. The woman behind the desk puts a number on my forms and hands them back. I breathe into this moment. I do not have a number. I do not have an appointment. I now have a number. G046. I have a number. G046. The tall, dark-skinned man next to me breathes a big breath out. It's an exercise in patience, he says. Ah, This bit of teaching refreshes me as much as, as much as a bite of food eaten in the middle of a 10-mile hike. I settle into my seat, exercising patience. Now serving A014 at window number 15, there's a din in the room of at least two languages. Some people came here in groups to figure out what's what together. Many challenges. We wait without knowing how long we'll wait. Last time I sat here four hours, then left without what I'd come for. Do I have what I need? I have my passport, driver's license, paperwork. I focus on the breath going into my body, then out. I wait for my number. Now serving G037. Nine more Gs to go. Each number marks a movement in a cycle. Focus on the breath. A thin, well-dressed woman with an accent, French, wants to be seen. Her number has not yet come up. She's upset, explaining that this isn't fair to the dark-skinned woman at the counter. The woman at the counter delivers a message to her and to anyone who listens. This is exactly as it was made to be. Everyone wants to be seen. Focus on the breath. Three large flat-screen TVs display a slideshow with trivia, pop culture, and DMV information. Focus on the breath. The bathroom reminds me of a park in my hometown. Focus on the breath. True or false? Celebrities get priority treatment on the organ donor list. False. Now serving G046 at window number seven. My turn. Moment of truth. I will pay for my session if my documents are in order. People who fail to complete the session for any reason don't have to pay. This is a generous meditation. My documents are in order. The DMV gives me a gift, a little slip of paper to put in my car. For as long as it's there, it can remind me to focus on the breath and the body. When or if I get pulled over or get in a car accident, I'll have this reminder with me. Practice patience. God is so good. Our God is an awesome God. Yeah, I love that. Thanks, y'all. You've been listening to Dispatches from Mount Kaz, recorded at Chateau Rev, produced by Mount Kaz Studios. Check out the show notes for more information on the people and things we talk about.